0: Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome to the show. My guest today is a mortgage lender with Loan Depot, and crazy enough, we're actually closing our first deal together today. And in this episode, we get to learn about, you know, not only his beginnings, but those moments when what you're doing, you don't know if it's going to pan out. And it was really cool to see how he got through those moments and what got him to where he is today, please welcome Henry Gomez. You're listening to The Chicago Hustle, a podcast that highlights the struggles, successes, and overall journey of Chicagoans pursuing their passion. My name is Edward Terrace, and I'm a Chicago real estate broker that focuses on understanding the rental and sales market to facilitate the sale of property, along with providing my clients a roadmap to one of the biggest necessities of life, a place to call home. And I'm sitting down with our neighbors to learn about their process, the lessons they've learned, and how they're making an impact. All right, and we're live with Henry Gomez. What's going on, man?
1: <laughs> What's going on?
0: I'm going give you my, give me my, uh, my best radio voice when we're doing a podcast here.
1: <laughs> Is that your telephone voice?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, everybody. <laughs> Do you need a house? <laughs> yeah, are
0: you looking for a home. Uh, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. I uh, I don't know how long ago we talked about doing it, but probably when I first started, I was like, I you know, obviously got to get you on here.
1: Yeah, kudos, man. A lot of people have like these projects of being on YouTube or starting a podcast, and it ends up being just talk. So congrats, man.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, and for anybody who's listened to the podcast, they probably hear me plug my girlfriend. She should get into podcast sales because she she you know she got me this the mic and the whole setup and. I wouldn't have started it if I didn't have the equipment. Like the, because when I got it, I was like, oh, well, you know, now I got to start it. So that's pretty much how I got into it. If you didn't already know.
1: No, it's nice having a strong woman behind you, man. I mean, my wife is definitely that person for me. So, dude,
0: totally. And uh, for anybody who
1: doesn't know,
0: which is going to be everybody, of how we met. So, uh, Henry Gomez, he is a a loan officer, mortgage lender, however you want to say it at uh loan depot and how long have you been doing that now
1: uh going on 13 years so with the comp- with loan depot i've been with them for about three but about 13 years doing mortgage lending now it's kind of crazy
0: okay and, and when i first met henry uh i actually met him because i was showing him an apartment i was uh showing his wife an apartment she said oh my husband's gonna be you know coming here so you know can we wait a little bit i was like yeah no problem and I showed him the apartment and you're all suited up. You probably just came from downtown with a, you know, an appointment or something like that. And then, uh, yes. I mean, that's how we ended up meeting. It was some un- unforeseen things afterwards, but, um, you're, you know, you're a super cool guy and it was really cool to like, you know, actually you know, meet you and start working with you.
1: And I love the the little humbleness with you. I mean, honestly, look, I like numbers. Obviously, I'm in real estate for like 13 years. But when it comes to a decision me and my wife are going to make, she's usually the one that leads the way because she loves doing a lot of research. So um, I usually like going with my network. She does a ton of research. So she ran into you. Um, We went to go look at apartments or whatnot. And, you know, your response time, you answered during the holiday season. I think it was over like winter break, right? Something like that. Like New Year's. You sent her a message and everybody else was like resting, taking a break. And then like, maybe they got, they responded to her maybe five, six days after New Year's Day. And you responded to her literally like the day after or whatever. I'm like, who is this every guy? So (laughs) curious to like come meet you when she's like, Hey, you know, this is the guy that responded to me right away. Then I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, let's go meet up and see what's going on.
0: Yeah. And the cool thing was, is this is, it was so much different when we got done helping you guys rent the apartment. Uh, you were like, Oh, you know, we should you gave me a folder with your information in it and you said, you know, we should meet up. I was like, Oh yeah, that'd be cool. And you usually when people say, like, oh, you know, let's meet up and they're like, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, I'll meet up and then you know, a year or so goes by and nothing happens. But you're like, Yeah, let's meet up. When should we meet up? Like where do you want to meet up? What time? And you just like set the time, I was like, oh I was like, Oh, he's legit about this. And when we met up you know, I thought I was like, oh, you know, he's gonna have to ask me all these questions about, you know, real estate, how long I've been doing it, you know, how you get my business. And then you were like, Oh, so you're a fighter, like you fight. You just started talking to me about, you know, genuine things.
1: Yeah, I mean I you know, it's after doing the business for so long, you, you definitely get a lot of fake smiles and um you know, there's definitely a like a business sales vibe. And I've learned after a while that why not just surround yourself with like people that similarities so I come from a wrestling background when I was in high school so when I saw some of your profiles and I did a little research on you before we met um it was kind of a commonality I was really curious about it right so I'm always just genuinely curious about what people do I hate it when I get like those blanket statements like what does that mean like you'll get like a million types of engineers like what does that mean what do you literally specifically have to do and like I love hearing about stuff that I have no clue about right because there's just so much but yeah I mean you went on about fighting for a good bit and Uh, I love it. I love it. Honestly, I was a little jealous because I miss fighting a lot. Um, It's a good stress reliever. And, you know, obviously when you're in the ring, not not on the street or anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was, I talked about that with my girlfriend a couple of days ago. I said, you know what fighting's like? It's, it's almost like a legalized form of purging. You ever watch the purge?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And no, that, that's, when I wrestled, that was the thing, like stress at home or whatever the situation was going like, I felt bad for my opponent. I'm like, I'm going to let it out all on you. It has nothing to do with you, but you're going to get the, the end of it. And it's yeah. therapeutic, really, honestly. So
0: how long did you wrestle? Did you wrestle, did you do it through high school?
1: Um, middle school and high school. Um, I got lucky in high school that I wrestled with, uh, like people who qualify for state, actually a state champion uh, David Martinez, shout out. Uh, he was really good. Um, and that actually sharpened my skills. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's funny how now it's the same thing, right? Like who are you going to be with to help sharpen your skills and moving forward? But wrestling was just fun for me, man. And it just taught me on like, if I work hard, I would see the results, right? Like anything, as long as you work hard for it, you'll, you'll get there. So it was a lot of fun. I loved it. It was my favorite sport.
0: And now you, uh, cause when, when, I was talking to your, your wife. She's like, oh, yeah, we kind of want to be close to the lake because he likes to run. But now you do, like, long-distance running or, I mean, super long, right?
1: <laughs> well, I started doing – how do I put it? So I went to college in, in Madison. So, obviously, it's no a uh, party school. And when I graduated, I uh, still was kind of on a party mode and working a ton. So I've had really successful years. Uh, at Chase Bank and uh, did well was making good income and I hit my target of of making a certain dollar amount But I still wasn't happy like my body didn't feel that great um, I had tackled like a half marathon 5ks and just kind of dabbled into it and I'm like What do I, what am I gonna do to like really create a shift? I understood that I wanted more by the time I was 30. So and I was 27 at the time so I quit drinking for a year um, or partying um, as much as I was, and it caught my friends off guard because they didn't believe me. Uh, and I bought actually this bike behind me. It was a I spent a thousand dollars on it. Um, bought a wetsuit, paid for a full Olympic triathlon without knowing if I would make it through the swim, which is a mile swim. And I just went for it. I bought like four books on dummy books on how to do triathlons, how to swim, like all that stuff, like just YouTube a bunch of stuff. And it was the best shape of my life. It was the most income I made up to that point that year, and that's the year that I met my wife. So ever since then, I've been doing Olympic triathlons, and two years ago, I did an Ironman. So 140-mile triathlon, and definitely, it's for me, it's the beginning. Like, I want to do 100-mile runs. I want to do 300-mile bike rides. Like, I'm just always curious to see what I'm capable of doing kind of a thing. So I'm, I'm pumped for it. People think I'm crazy, but I love it. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, so I always wonder with that when people who do triathlons – do you like when you're doing that? What kind of diet do you have? Because I see people who might have like a super high fat diet because you have, you might have a more you know the the amount of calories that your body can conserve for fat or you know c- carbohydrates is probably gonna be more.
1: You know what I'm not. There's some very Type A friends that I have that do triathlons and they definitely like count their calories and know what they're intaking. Honestly, for me, it's been more of feel. So I know. Let's just say I have a cheat meal, and then I have a a mile swim the next day for my training. My body will be yelling at me, right? Like I feel like bloated, like I want to sink at the bottom of the pool or in the lake. So honestly, I just eat cleaner and leaner. So fruits and vegetables, you know, less fried foods. Um, Your body literally just begs you for it. So, and especially burning that many calories, like whatever you're intaking is going to help you with your training when you get out there, as far as running 20 miles and then you have to bike another 20, it's, it's a lot. So it's just eating leaner and, and, and smarter uh, at the end of the day.
0: And that's something I want to talk about too is because whenever, you know, it's funny, I've, I always feel like I do the best business too when I'm working out the most. And But some people would probably think, you know, like, oh, well, I, you know, I can't pick this up because it's just going to be another hour or two hours out of my day and that's going to take away from my business or my side hustle or whatever it is. Um, have you had conversations with people about that?
1: A lot. And actually my circle has been evolving a lot. So my wife always put asthma as her reason. Um, and she ended up running a full marathon. Um, she's learning how to swim, right? My sister-in-law is taking swimming classes because she wants to try a triathlon. Um, one of my buddies also saw the whole triathlon scene and he's doing a second or third one already. So it's it's been fun to watch like even just one of my friends um he lost 108 pounds in the last wow. 8. Years. So it's it's cool to see, you know, that you're giving permission to the people around you to see, you know, the benefits of actually working out and taking care of yourself because at the end of the day, I don't want to be 60 years old with a terrible back and like super out of shape and on a bunch of medication. Like that's just not what I want to do. You know, I want to be able to hike mountains still when when I'm at that age or I'm Colombian, so I love salsa dancing, so I want to be able to get out there and and, and dance with my wife, you know, uh, hopefully on her 30-, 40-year anniversary. So, um, for me, it's been more – as much as it's been a journey where I'll have a year or two where I don't work out, and I reflect back on those years, and they're not as good as my years of when I did work out. And, And by working out, I mean, for me specifically, I need to be aiming for a certain race, so a triathlon, a marathon, or something, in order for me to be focused if I say I'm gonna work out nothing happens like it's just super inconsistent I I don't really get to where I need to be so it's been the best years since my mid to late 20s uh when I've been racing and it's reflected in my business and my personal life and again to remind you that's when I met my wife right so it's kind of crazy you know did you meet
0: her through it somehow or it was just like during that chain of events no it
1: was I met her four years prior just once for like a few minutes and then I met her four years later. But when I met her, when I reconnected with her, I was at the top of my game. Like, you know, super healthy, fit. I did a Tough motor that year and a full Olympic try. That was my first Olympic try. Uh, Best year in the business. So like, I literally was hitting all the squares uh, that year. So she met me at my top of my game. So I mean, you know confidence I'm sure is what people see and I saw a lot of confidence in her so that's why we ended up connecting
0: so yeah you know it's funny I was actually thinking about that the, this morning is you know when it comes to you know relationships I'm sure that you know the confidence and the momentum and uh that type of personality can definitely be you know appealing to well I mean anybody
1: yeah I mean you know what it's it's funny and I'll I'll, I'll admit so this year um had some big goals, right? Like paying off my debt. Uh, so as of last Friday, I'm hundred percent debt free, which is exciting.
0: Dude, congrats. Uh,
1: me and my wife are just super excited about that. Cause that's just gonna give us the opportunity to do what we want, right. And chase after what we actually want to do. Um, but the interesting part again is, is, is the journey. I can't tell you that I've raced every single year. I can't tell you that I've been hundred percent healthy since I've been 27 it's been like on and off. Like this year, I've been nothing but work, work, work to pay off like thirty thousand dollars worth of debt, right? Um, which is great, and I've been working twelve to fifteen hour days. You know, some days more than others, and I haven't been working out. So, what does that mean? I'm not in shape right now. At least not in the shape that I'm used to. So, yeah, I'm going back to it. My wife actually just signed up for a half uh, marathon. So I'm thinking about go ahead and signing up for that. So it's a tough balance. You know, we all have ambitions, we all have this hunger to do more, but we have to remember that that balance or just being healthy uh, is just a huge part of it. You don't have to let that go in order for you to be successful or be hungry or or do more. You know, and at times we get away from it just because we're seeing success in the workforce. So we kind of stray away from, you know, what's important as far as like taking care of your health and yourself, so.
0: Yeah, I think it's always important to to the, I I forget what the saying is specifically, but it's something as, you know, don't stop doing what got you here, essentially.
1: Yeah, it's tough to be consistent, right? And especially with so much stuff and static and like distractions coming at you. Like you can go on like Instagram and YouTube and you listen to all this motivational stuff and it's like, oh no, you should meditate for an hour a day, 10 minutes a day and eat this, do that. And it's just like, wait, 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 let me just kind of tick away at what's worked for me and then build on that. Instead of substitute what's worked for me, do a bunch of other things, not knowing if it's gonna work for you. Um, so it's hard to kind of get your focus. And now that I'm 35, uh, that's what I'm aiming towards, just saying no to more things and just staying focused to those pillars that that help, so.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, and uh, I'm you know younger than yourself, but, the, the longer that I've been in real estate and, you know, working on my business, it was just, it was like, okay, how, I've got to be able to say no to these people and I've got to be able to be selfish. And so that's probably the toughest thing. And I mean, how do you deal with that when you have so many things going on? Is it something that you, you still struggle with or uh, how's that?
1: I definitely still struggle with it. Um, You know, it's hard not to be a yes man or a yes woman, right? Uh, Everybody wants your attention, especially when you're kind of like on your game. I feel like that's even when more people want your attention, you know? So, like, just as an example, just even just yesterday, I had a really good friend of mine. We kind of like elevate each other in different ways, right? He's an entrepreneur, whatnot. He's like, hey, do you want to grab coffee tomorrow at noon? So, we were doing this podcast. This was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. I look at my calendar in the morning. I'm like, Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's going to be me. Even if I have like did this podcast, let's just say I left like 10 minutes early, went to go meet up with him, then came back to the office. That would have messed up my whole momentum of my day. So, you know, I, I replied right back to him like, hey, it's too much. I can't jam this in right now, but let's figure out another day and put it on the calendar that works for us. So, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily saying no, but no right now. And it's taking ownership of your time. And that's the hard part, you know, like your time does matter it's hard to respect your time sometimes when you're also like out there trying to get business and stuff, but you just need to maybe lay out other options of when you can do that, when you can meet up, what time you can actually do it and not feel bad if it doesn't always fit their schedule kind of a thing. So.
0: That's a good point. Cause I, I've, I've never actually really thought of it that way as because it's for me, it always seems so cut and dry. Like, yes, I can, or no, I can't. Um, yep. But no, that, that's yeah, but a good it point. It doesn't have to be that way.
1: And people respect that. Like they know that you're busy or not. You know what I mean? So if you're busy, it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. Obviously, if you do it within a certain time frame, you don't want to be like, hey, I'll meet you next month or whatever. So, um, but, you know, that's, that's what you're doing when you're building, so.
0: No, totally. And, and when you talk about, you know, your time being so important, I mean, and then along with you working 15 hour days, because I, I get emails from you at, I feel like the most <laughs> random times of like 11, <laughs> like 11 o'clock, uh, 1 a.m. Like, did this guy just get home? What's going on with this guy? Is that like, tell me how that works.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause like some days, uh, you know, I'll be honest, like I'm going so hard and sometimes I'll need a half day off or, you know, a full day off. I mean, we all need, you know, some time to decompress and I'll just pick it up at like two o'clock in the afternoon. So then I run through two in the morning. Sometimes they're off days. Like I don't always do that. I mean, I have a wife now who's like always on me, like go to bed, you know, like, I can't go to sleep or whatever. So um, I aim to not do that too often, but, you know, I have to keep up with leads, my business, you know, my health, my calendar, my schedule. You know, I can't fall behind it because the more I, I I stay behind, you know, the more I have to catch up on. So, but yeah, I used to do that more. I used to do that more. When I was single, when I started in the business, two, three in the morning, yeah, it was nuts. Like, I I just went really hard. and And that's the year that... You know I made good income. So I also like went out and kind of celebrated. Uh, but I didn't have anything to show for it. So I was just like, I need to change. Like working hard and not learning how to work a little smart is just not not as fun. So
0: yeah, no, and I think they're super important, man, because I, I have that same feeling where you know every night last night I think it was maybe like 7 30 or 8. And I was like, okay, we're gonna go to bed at 9, 930. So I got about an hour. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, ah, you know, this, I always try to think to myself, can this wait? I was like, yes, yes, this can wait because she's, she's been waiting in the other room for all day, you know? (laughs) And, uh, so I think it's important, you know, to have, well, you know, obviously somebody in your life because you're, I think when you have time designated for people, you won't let that time or that work expand to the amount of time that you have.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, my wife definitely is the reason that i probably get more sleep. (laughs) A hundred percent. Like I I know I'd probably be going a lot harder um, if it weren't for her. And and it's one of those where I made a decision to be in a relationship. And if you're deciding to be in a relationship, and obviously I'm married now, but uh, you have to make time for that relationship. Like how do you expect that relationship to grow or to flourish if you're not, you know, putting time into it. Right. But I think one of the things that we never need to forget though is that, we can't lose ourselves, and we don't have kids yet, so that's going to be an interesting chapter. I don't know what that's going to look like, um, but at the end, I still my goal, at least my life goal, is to always make sure to keep my health as a top priority because that's just going to expand and reflect on everything else that I do, my relationship, my business, etc. So,
0: so what does your routine look like? I mean, from the time you wake up with your business, like what what does it look step by step? Because I think when people think about a mortgage lender they're probably like I, I don't know what they do all day.
1: So I'm a morning workout guy so I typically like working out around like five six in the morning. Uh, that's typically my go-to. Uh, after that, I will make a cup of coffee. I'll sneak in about 20 to 30 minutes of reading so I'll either read either a chapter or two, uh, do a little bit of journaling, um, yeah, another like five ten minutes. Um, Sometimes I'll meditate, sometimes I won't. I've been kind of like, you know, moving on that. So that's been my routine before I get to work. So I'll either bike or walk to work, and that's pretty much it. You know, once I get to work, I go through my to-do list. Lunch, home, I usually cook uh, for my wife. Uh, That helps me decompress. I put on Miles Davis, that's my station on Pandora that I use. I have Spotify, but Pandora, the Miles Davis station is great. So I listen to jazz, that kind of like, Comforts me when I'm cooking. Um, and I cook with love. Like, my wife is just chopping stuff when she cooks. It's hilarious. But she does her best. She, she has some good dishes. I don't want to totally like I, But I, lo- I, I enjoy cooking. You know, it stresses her out, but I enjoy cooking. Um, and that's it, just spend some time with my wife and either ever go to bed while I still work or go to bed with my wife. So, just depending. Right now, we have a big goal coming up for the end of the year. So, I'm putting in the hour. So,
0: yeah, because you told me you know, when I first met you guys that you were going on a pretty long trip.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the goal. So I see a lot of people in my industry burnt out. Um, I see a lot of them wishing they did things differently. Having big houses and big mortgages and paying a ton of money, you know, as far as all that hard work that they're putting in. And my wife and I decided to sell our house. We had a four-bedroom house out in the suburbs, even though we both worked downtown. The commute was terrible. It ate up a ton of our time. I think we did the math and it was two and a half months worth of commuting. A year? A year.
0: Oh, wow. So
1: that time working out, cooking, spending time with each other, spending time with friends and family, like that's a lot of time, right? So we just said, what are we going to do different? Like, why don't we take, what do not we figure out how we can first be debt free? Second, uh, save some of the money that we got from the sale of the house and save a bit more to take a long trip. And the plan for us, at least, is to take a year trip. Um, not sure why a year, but a year is just what felt right. And people were thinking we're crazy. Like, why not three months, two months, six months? You can always travel one month at a time. But no, we want to take a year sabbatical to kind of like breathe, regroup. You know, we're kind of like at that pivot point in both of our careers with what we want to do to kind of take it to the next level. So, um, and we don't have kids. So we want to have that time, just us two, um, you know, that intimate time with just experiencing things. And that's going to be, that's going to be fun. So South America, Southeast Asia, we don't have like a strict timeline or a strict schedule. We're just kind of living, giving back, volunteering. My wife's a nurse. So we're just going to kind of go with the flow a little bit. So we're excited for it. We're working hard for it. We've been making a lot of moves and pivot points and had a few nightmares that you're aware of, you know, this year already, just to kind of get there some, uh, a couple setbacks, but we're going to get there. You know, that's just not even a question.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, and when, when do you guys head out on your trip?
1: We're thinking about right around October is the plan. So I get extended to November because of Irene's uh, health issues right now, but she's coming around. She's coming out of it right now. So, you know, we're kind of, saving money for now just to work hard until, you know, we actually depart. So. And,
0: and something I want to touch on a little bit is you kind of talked about one at the beginning, you talked about how you're paying off your debt. One of your goals, you talked about, you know, not having more house than you can afford and how you, you know, wanted to have the, the you know, the leverage of time in your life. And I mean, I feel like you almost deal that with that or help people with that every day with being a mortgage lender is, mm-hmm. You sit down with people and you run those numbers through people because, you know, the amount when people sit down with banks and they say, you know, this is how much you could have for your payment every month, but this is actually what you're comfortable with. I mean, yeah. what does that conversation go with when you first meet someone who's never bought a home, and nobody's ever walked them through that? What does that look like for people?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's probably what I'm most passionate about is that part. Right. Um, I wish everybody else can just do the paperwork or I can hire someone to do it, but you know, I'll get there. But the main thing for me is what's your budget? What are you trying to pay a month? And what surprises a lot of people is typically they're gonna go, Oh, I wanna pay, you know, a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars a month. Oh, okay, you want a hundred and thirty thousand dollar place. They're like, What? No, I'm looking at homes that have like two fifty. I'm like, how are we paying twelve hundred dollars a month? That's not you know, so it's kind of like a come to Jesus moment where I break it down of what they can afford or what it means to reach a certain point. Right. And then after I kind of go through that and I sit with them and I go through their credit, their income, you know, what they have saved and key things saved is, is a big part. And I'll come back to it is I will also give them my opinion of where I think their budget, should, right? So I aim anywhere between like 25 to 35% of their income. Now, one of the things that people don't realize is that, at least on the mortgage side, which is crazy, is that we base it, if you're a W-2 employee or you get, you know, pay stubs, we base it based on gross income. How many people out there know that they get to keep 100% of their check? Nobody does, right? Taxes, 401k contributions, etc. So, people need to think about that, you know, as far as their take home. So, if I'm keeping you between 25 to 30% or 35 it's for your benefit because I don't want most of your paycheck to go to your house. Like, that's house poor. I'm sure they want to pay off some of their debt, their cars. They want to go on vacation with their family, not put it on credit cards. That's kind of the goal, and I think I'm so passionate about that just because I've made those mistakes. I've gone on vacation on credit cards. I have racked up seventeen thousand in credit cards, paid it off, racked it up again, paid it off. So it's you know why are we working so hard to be in that trap? You know, and remind people this is your first home. If you get a promotion, if if you save more. You know, if your, if your house builds equity so that you can use some of that money to buy another house, the one you want, be patient with it. Be patient with that process. Nobody's going to pay your bills. I'm not going to pay it. You as a realtor, you're not going to pay it. Your mom's not going to pay it. You have to pay your bills every month. So people really need to be honest with themselves. And I think a lot of people don't want to be, you know, that's kind of the world we're in, but I'm okay with that. You know, as long as I'm clear of where I stand, people kind of respect
0: And that was the thing is when we were working with the buyers that we have that are closing next week was when I first met with them, I felt like we were so far away. I felt like we were a year out from what they, (laughs) the conversation I was was having with them. And I just told them, I was like, listen, you got to talk to Henry. There's like a lot of information that I just can't express to you that he's going to be able to. And then you guys got done with that appointment and they're like, yeah, we're good to go. We talked to Henry. Like, we're all set. And we start looking at homes next week. I was like, what? I was like, I was talking to you oh, last week. You were not ready. You were like a year out. And now you're ready to go? Like, what happened in that meeting? You don't have to, obviously, don't say their names or whatever. But
1: like, what took them well, from... If, if the, the way that I kind of got them a little bit centered is that they have their, their goal, right? I never want to kill somebody's dream because it's amazing to me, some of the people that have certain goals if you set a certain time frame or at least like if you give them homework and when they actually do it, it's amazing to see them do it. Like you'll push yourself if you know what carrot you're chasing, right? So with them, they had an idea of where they wanted to be, but they also had to understand where they were. And one of the things that I didn't want them to sacrifice because they were thinking about buying a property twice as much as actually more expensive, right, as far as what they're buying now, is they, were, they would have to dip into the retirement account. I have dipped into my retirement accounts in the past, you know, and it's not the best thing to do, right? You, people don't really realize that social security, if it's even going to be here by the time I retire, you know, it's not going to cover much as far as expenses. You need to build that so you don't have to worry about it. How many times do you go to Walmart or you go to Jewel and you see like older people at the cash register or helping you bag your food? Like I'm sure they don't want to be there. I'm sure something happened or they didn't pay attention to the retirement account where, they could have done things differently. I don't want that for first-time home buyers. I don't want to leave people in that way, so I told them, with what you have, so you can fit your budget, this is where you should aim for. It. Now, I didn't take away the dream of that bigger building, because in my opinion, we're due for a recession in the next year, year and a half, and that's everybody, right? Not just my opinion, I didn't come up with that, but the market is talking, and that will happen, and I'm like, look, in the near future, you guys can rent that condo out, You know, use it for your time being if you want to, save, 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 You use both of your income so you can buy your dream building that you want, and you'll be prepared. You'll have money saved. You don't have to dip into your retirement. It'll be within budget, and you'll get a taste of what homeownership looks like with the condo because owning your own building is a whole other thing. You need to have not just money to buy it, but to maintain it. And if something comes up or something comes up, that insurance might not cover. So that just kind of opened their eyes and they were just happy that I gave them that advice. And I was honest with them because you and I get paid based on commission, right? So the bigger the sale, the better for us, but that's not going to give us longevity in this business if that's what we're doing, you know, if we're hunting for that big deal, you know, I want to do what's right for that person at the time because I like sleeping at night and I do, thankfully so.
0: That's awesome man yeah it was uh it was really cool to see that because at first their their budget was their monthly budget idea was literally double like you said of what they wanted, and I was like, oh okay, that's the budget they're looking for so and, and then you know now we're actually at half, so I think it's important um I think anytime somebody's working with somebody who you know might be working off of commission, they might be thinking you know is did this does this person have the best interest for myself. So I think when you're able to sit down with somebody and be face to face and be like, Hey, this is, you know, we should probably go a little bit less so we can save you this money. People are probably like, Oh, this guy does have my best interest.
1: Yeah. And again, it's, it's a tough thing to kind of really keep a good, um, you really have to keep asking a lot of good questions, right. And you really have to dig deep because I've also ran into people where I didn't think it was the best situation for them. And I told them what they needed to get there. And then they just gave me a very like, direct look into my eyes like, I can make that happen. I'm like, okay, you know what you need. And they actually get it done. You know, It might take them six months to get there or a year to get there. I had somebody, uh, took them, I, I was working with them two years. Two years and they bought their multi-unit. And they just referred me their tenant and they just bought their first house. <laughs> it's just funny when, again, you take care of people and you do what's right for them. I would just literally just pay dividends at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Karma. I'm definitely all about karma. So I'm trying to keep it on my good side.
0: <laughs> you know, it's it's funny as I saw this quote from Warren Buffett the other day. And they were like, oh, hey, Warren, why doesn't everybody just do what you do? And he said, nobody wants to get rich slowly. Nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> patience. Nobody has patience. I didn't have patience. I, I still struggle with patience, you know, because we want everything like right now. but." Um I just now maybe again, maybe it comes with age, but I'm just chipping away at it. You know, and I'll give you an example too, just like yesterday, just a small thing, right? Like we our car needs new tires. My wife wants to go do an oil change and they're like, Oh yeah, it's only gonna cost a thousand dollars to like switch all four great Michelin tires or whatever. And I'm like, let's do our homework. Let's figure out, you know, what are the best tires for our car. I don't think we need to be paying a thousand. She wanted me to make a decision right then and there. I'm like, no, let's be thorough. And this is not me, right? I'm usually like, let's go do marathons and jump out of and do a bunch of stuff. But like now that I've actually paid off all my debt and have a little bit more respect for my money and my time, I'm just like, let's do our homework. Our tires will be fine until we, I'll probably get them by the end of this week. But I just didn't want to jump the gun. So, and that goes with everything, getting in shape, your business. Nobody is willing to put in the patience and the hard work to kind of get the actual result you want. Everybody wants a shortcut. Everyone wants to get rich now. And it just doesn't work that way. You know?
0: Cause if anybody that's not in our industry or maybe they will, but I mean, if you told somebody, yeah, it took me two years to make that. Cause, and that's what people think. They're like, Oh, you made this, this huge commission check. And it's like, how long did it take you? Uh, it took me two years. <laughs> nobody, nobody would, would think to spending that amount of time on it.
1: Yep. Yep. Nobody. And again, like, Some it might be a year, some might be three years, depending on like what your network is. Like, you know, one of the things with people in our industry and, you know, with Latinos, we're first generation. So we don't always have, you know, the wealthy aunt or uncle or, you know, the other people in our circles that we might be able to tap into where they might get that first big commission check in the first couple months. Good for them, right? I'm happy for them. The other people that actually like lean in and do like the day-to-day and build up, For getting that big commission in two years you know that's that's sometimes it takes three sometimes it takes four you didn't realize your friendship of eight years actually helped you like kind of get to where you need to get to but yeah people don't have the patience for it Um, everything is instant gratification maybe that's the way we're kind of being conditioned for that you know so it's 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 interesting I don't want to wait for a cab I want it to come to my feet there's uber and lyft you know now there's crazy scooters now in the West. Yeah. Nuts. Now I don't even want to pay you know Uber Lyft. I just want to scoot to work <laughs> nuts and pay $3, you know. Um, I can see myself building on that. But on the back end, you know, the hard part is my dad's a cab driver for 25, almost 30 years. Now he's going, oh great. Now that's gonna slice into even more of the business uh, on my end, because there's less people that are gonna. Be hailing a cab or whatnot, because they're going to be on scooters, Ubers, lifts, or what or whatnot. So we always have to be like educating ourselves, evolving, trying to stay ahead of the times, so like you're doing right now with this podcast. Um, I think that's super smart. We got to keep doing that.
0: Totally. So when you you talk about those years of just getting started, I mean, what yeah. what did that look like for you? Because you were in college. Um, I mean, what it, I mean, I'm assuming you were didn't go to college for and becoming old, you know, that's not something you go to college for. No.
1: Nope. Um, so I was a double lit major. I should have been a business major, but again, I socialized a little more in UW than I should have, uh, came out, got my real estate license and that was 07, 08. So it was the biggest recession we've ever had. I didn't have a book of business. Um, my student loans were about to come due after six months and I'm like, I need a real job. So I got a job at an online university, American Intercontinental University. And they had two, three months of training. They had a salary and everything. I'm like, okay, this is good to kind of get started. And uh, they gave me a headset. And I was cold calling all day. I literally wanted to jump out the window. I was like, this is terrible. But I had to dial every day, hang up, dial, hang up, dial. So if anything that also, it's funny how things are, how life is. Like, that helped me not be you know, apprehensive with actually picking up the phone. Um, I opened up a savings account at a Chase Bank. Um, Banking or being in real estate is always what I wanted to do, and then I happened to be Chase. And I sent them my resume, and they hired me. You know, I got investment licenses. I was a banker for about a year and a half. Um, So I learned a lot about investments, retirement planning, you know, car loans, credit cards, personal accounts like IRAs, all sorts of... Financial language that again became very helpful for when I came back to real estate Um, I want to say 2009 full-time. I got promoted to being a loan officer with Chase Uh, Then I started working with private clients worked in a Spanish neighborhood. That was my first branch in six corners Milwaukee and Cicero Shout out to my six corners people Um, but when I started and Again, this is not much experience in in real estate. I was so stressed because I didn't you can't memorize all the guidelines. There's just so much going on, especially during the recession. There's so many new rules and you know overlays that the bank had of what kind of loans that they wanted because they got their hands slapped a little bit. Um, I didn't know if I could do it. I had families' homes in my hands, and I was stressed. And I remember I called my dad, and I'm like, Dad, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. This is just too stressful. Things are not panning out. I was getting loans like declined. And my dad goes, son, by your age, I had two kids, and I didn't know barely any English because my parents were immigrants from Colombia. Uh, I decided to drive a cab, and I had just enough money the first day to pay the rent for the cab because he didn't own it, and I only had 20 bucks left over, Then I had 30 bucks left over, and how he chipped away until he started having a, a few more dollars, and he finally like got it. He's like, you speak English, you have a college education, you're bilingual, you'll figure it out. And literally, that was kind of like the, for me at least, it was a big pivot point on just suck it up, learn it, and figure it out. So ever since then, I've just been, you know, doing, helping a lot of people like in that Six Corners area and started working downtown and, you know, working with different clients and just kind of evolving in my career a little bit.
0: Dude, that's awesome. What a conversation to have with your dad. I mean, because there's there had to be a point in time like you were saying where you maybe felt close to it's like okay maybe this isn't for for me Mm -hmm. and uh, i mean was it that just that conversation i mean that kind of turned it for you
1: at the beginning he helped me kind of stick through it but then afterwards i think it was just the kind of the general consensus of what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like either you lean into it. Can you honestly look yourself in the mirror and say you're giving yourself, you're doing 100% of what you can. You know, and, and at times I couldn't say that. So then I would be like, okay, then let's do what I can do. So when I was working at the big banks, you know, again, they were very conservative and I needed more options. So I decided to leave. That was a big risk because I got a, a base salary and commission. So I would be 100% commission, never did it before. Um, I left and I was feeling cocky because I came off of a a good year and hunting on your own was just a whole other business than people coming into the branch which nowadays barely anybody goes into the branch so it was a good transition Um, but it wasn't working I went from making a six-figure income to I think my lowest income second year out of the bank was thirty six thousand big difference so uh, again what do I do am I doing 100%? I started investing in myself and I started investing in coaching. So I started doing uh, the core and that actually helped me just create structures. Kind of like when you train for a triathlon, it, it was just a map of how to do the business differently. Um, but I found that without accountability, it didn't work super well. So I joined a company at Pearl. Um, there was a manager there, Amir Syed, who like followed it to the T. It was pretty intense about it, but uh, he really taught you how to Make that more tangible, and it helped me a lot. Um, and I learned how to hunt on my own. Um, but now at Lone Depot, I, I still continue to use some of those practices. But again, it's it's one of those things where if something's not working, are you doing the most to figure it out, or are we just going to sulk in our moment, complain for a year or two, and you know either get fired or just go do something completely else because you kind of gave up? And I just I've never given up. You know, I always want to get to the finish line even if mortgage lending is not something I do for the rest of my life, but you know, I, I kind of like it right now. Uh, it'll be a chapter and I'll know that I actually gave a good effort to it to, to do well in the business. So.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's, so there's two sides of, you know, anytime you're pursuing something is, you know, that I've always heard the phrase, you know, are, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, definition yep. of insanity. But then I think there's the other side, like you're saying, you, you know, when you're doing it, are you doing everything that you can? Are you, because it's almost like you have to give something the amount of time it deserves. So if you're learning a new skill, you might have to do the same thing over and over again until you actually get it. You might have to do it for years. You, you know, and I think that's important how you said, how you had a, you had a coach, you had a mentor some accountability because you need to have those people around you to be like, no, dude, you're doing it fine. Don't, don't stop doing that. You just need <laughs> to keep grinding for the next X amount of years and then it'll happen. You just gotta eat shit for a little bit.
1: Yeah. A lot of it. <laughs> it just depends, you know? And again, like you can kind of get into the routine kind of like with the journey of working out, like in shape, out of shape, in shape, out of shape, same thing with your career. If you don't really follow something a little bit more um, consistently, it's just, this is what you see right and now like as I've been getting older this has been getting less wavy right as I'm kind of like narrowing in on what I actually want to do and hopefully it'll be a, a different trajectory but you know it's it's being malleable being flexible like figuring out how you're gonna actually approach certain things I'm trying to travel in a couple months and I didn't expect my wife to get really sick. Okay, it cost me an extra three four grand but I have to adjust okay all right let me step to the side how do we still stay on course because life is gonna happen. It's just, you know, it's what happens. Whether it's not the business, your business can be going great, but life will come at you at, at, at some point. So
0: is that something when you're budgeting for your clients? Is there like a certain percentage? It's like, okay, you have all of this, this, and this, and then you have the 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 oh shit percentage of life. <laughs> Do you, is that ever something you put in there?
1: So you know it's it's interesting because like I don't have a hard percentage as far as how much money they should have post closing. Mm -hmm. The part is I find a lot of first-time home buyers scraping every dollar getting gift from mom or dad just to get enough to buy the house alone and that's what I'm not comfortable with. Like as long as you have I'd say at least like three to six months worth of reserves that's a pretty healthy amount of what I would want people to keep in their in their savings account. I've even like used certain programs where yes you can give you know 10 percent down but if you get five you're going to have a healthy savings so you don't have to worry about it. you know you don't have to worry about going paycheck to paycheck and rebuilding the savings that took you who knows how long two three four years to build so people always need to have savings after they close on their home i've and bought two three three homes and it's like every time i needed money <laughs> something yeah came.
0: so and that's something too i wanted to ask you about is because there's this overwhelming idea of needing, you know, 20% down on a property. Yeah. Where you have the 3%, you have the 5% options. Where did this big, where did that number come from? When people think of that, like, what is, what is that?
1: So the biggest reason that people say 20% down is a simple one. You pay an extra insurance called PMI. Um, and basically that insurance is insurance that the banks have in case you default on your loan, in case you stop paying your mortgage. So if you put less than 20% down, you're seen as a higher risk. Um, so you have to pay that insurance. Now, there are ways to avoid it. If you're putting 10% down, um, you can avoid PMI if you have good credit um, by, and I'm not gonna get too into it because I don't wanna get into the weeds, but if you put 10% down, there's another option where instead of getting, let's say, A 4%, you can get a 4.125 rate and have no PMI, which will save you, you know, I'd say 1200 to like $2,000 a year, which is big, right? But you get to keep more of that capital. You didn't have to give that other 10%, that 20%. Um, I would say, especially for people buying, like it would be great, like 20%, no PMI, 15 year mortgage, right? Not keeping your mortgage forever. But it's tough, it just depends on what your priorities are. The average amount of years that the first time home buyer stays in their first home is about five to seven years. So if you pay aggressively your mortgage down, go ahead. But one of the things that I've told a lot of first time home buyers, um, even second time homebuyers, hey, can I pay down my principal more and pay this off quicker? Because they're hearing again, you, know, you don't want to keep a mortgage forever. Um, that's actually a goal me and my wife have for our next home and i go what do your savings look like what does your retirement account look like are you maxing out on both of those do you have kids what does the 529 college savings plan look like do you have life insurance to cover your family if something happened to you and we live in chicago you know accidents every day is your family protected so most people very few people don't have those squares away so at least for me in my opinion keep your home as far as the payment for your home affordable within your budget to allow you the flexibility to save, take time off with your family, you know, help you with whatever hobbies it is that you do so that you can live a more comfortable life and make sure that you're saving into those buckets. Once you fill some of those buckets or you're doing, you know, you're at a responsible pace with it, then go ahead and pay off your mortgage. Because you're not gonna be be able to take money out of your house unless you refinance it, take cash out of your home, You take out an equity line, so more debt, right? Or you sell your home. That money is like in there. You know, you can't do more for it. So at least that's my opinion again. So if you do 3%, 5%, 10%, it's going to change on on the individual, depending on their financial situation, what their plan is, what their lifestyle is. So that's why it's very interesting now that most people are doing things online, and maybe that's why the stats are so high that people are like over 60% Uh, they kind of, uh, what is it, resentful of actually buying their home the way they did. And it's probably because they didn't really go into the weeds and look at their whole financial picture before actually making that jump, so.
0: Dang. And and you're talking about, you know, in regards to previously owning, you know, three different houses, I forget every time that I see you, you actually have a house that you're flipping. You're flipping a house, right?
1: So, yeah, so... Let's say the house right now in Albany Park. So I partnered with a contractor. We were supposed to flip it in six months, four to six months. I'm on here too. Oh, <laughs> the house. So you can call it a flip flop, I guess, a flop. Um, you know, I learned a lot though, and again, that's that's one of those things that I've never, I've never kind of like stepped away from kind of taking a risk or trying and I thought because I knew real estate and I knew the numbers and I had enough of a cushion as far as for a loss that I would be okay. I didn't expect it to be this long. Nobody expects it to be this long. Um but things happen, right? Things got mismanaged, the proposal as far as how much it would cost us to finish it was grossly off. Um and as much of the apologies cuz it was a friendship that I had that obviously deteriorated a little bit after, you know, that whole situation. Um I learned a lot, you know, and and again now that you're talking about people who want to just flip and make money quick, patience. Was I patient enough to think through who the vendors were, where the supplies were coming from, how much it was actually going to cost to actually do it? Look at um, other projects and see how much they cost them, and like ask them questions of how it went. Maybe also even you know tap into some of the people that the contractor worked with in the past and see how that went. You know, did they stick to their budget? Was was that person accurate? Even though they're your friend, business is business, right? I didn't do that due diligence. And believe me, that's something that I will never do again in terms of not doing my due diligence. So you learn your lessons. You got, you got to burn a little bit before you actually you know, make a profit in the future. So I'm just glad it's going to be on the market. We'll break even, but um, crazy stuff. I was telling actually a person, our first three weeks, four weeks, we hired a subcontractor to help us with work. He, instead of paying to get a dumpster from the city, which is the way you should be doing it when we did demolition, to like back it and have the city take it away, he rented a U-Haul and tried to stuff the U-Haul to throw out the garbage. Who knows where he was going to throw out the garbage? Well, they stole the catalytic converter in the U-Haul. <laughs> this is the first three weeks the property.
0: Oh no. We
1: were thinking insurance, we were thinking money, like it was just like what's going on? Like, why? Shortcuts are not the best thing, right? And I was very clear with my contractor, like, I want everything to be licensed. I don't want to deal with any shortcuts. Like I just don't want any issues with the city. But that should have just been like a first, you know, red flag of how I should have been managing or you know, again, I've never managed a project like that. I just know the numbers in the finance side of it. So I was relying heavily on, you know, the contractor's expertise to do what he said he was going to do. So it's tough. You can't prepare for that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and it just makes me differently on future projects. Again, I'm not buying a thousand dollar pair of tires right now, unless I know that that's exactly what I need to be doing.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, were you uh, at, at that point in time, when you bought the flip property, uh, were you already married to your wife?
1: uh no i was engaged um and she highly 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 recommended me not to do it immensely <laughs> if anything um i respect her gut feelings a little bit more now than before so you know she she rubbed it in pretty hard for about a year and then she could just kind of let it go she's like you know just manage it do what you got to do to kind of get rid of it Um, but again, nobody's perfect. My wife has made some big mistakes and screwed things up and we're both going to continue to screw things up as we kind of figure things out and get into new territory. But, um, we've learned to trust each other a little bit more or like take a step back like, okay, wait, why do they not want me to do this? Why do they think this way? So it's kind of a good thing that we know that we're looking for each other's best interests. So yeah, we've had, we've had some arguments over that, that project and it's not been fun. We should have been traveling in February this year <laughs> for that craziness. We would have been gone already. But uh, again, life happens, delays happen, and uh, the goals don't change though. So we're still chasing it.
0: Dude, but how awesome. I mean, the, the women that people have in their life, <laughs> like, like, even it's like, even if there's like this out, this huge, I told you so moment, it's like, <laughs> I told you, but what do we got to do to get it done?
1: <laughs> but that's not their immediate response. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not their immediate response. Honestly, it's almost like they have to. They get to a point where they accept that yes, he really knows he screwed up. He really accepts it, and I'm just gonna let him be so that he <sighs> can just yeah, you know. So yeah, it was it was a tough it was a tough one. So, but I mean, you know, again, it also whenever she trips or makes mistakes, I make sure to not give her the same feedback that she sometimes initially gives back, just because we gotta understand that as long as we're trying new things and we're trying to grow or expand, then it's worth that mistake. You know, at least for me, it's worth that mistake. In the immediate pain, it doesn't feel that way, Uh, but afterwards, like I'm just, at the end of the day, I know I'm gonna be grateful that that happened, so.
0: And I think with our type of work, and the lifestyle with it, I think with I think you probably have a very similar personality to myself. Where like, if it feel, if it feels good, I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. And but I think it, it to be in this kind of t- type of line of work or entrepreneurial kind of thing is there's always going to be that leap of faith moment and. You know, it's like okay, I'm gonna collect this information. I'm gonna learn this, 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 this. But at some point, you're gonna have to like not know everything. So I think when you get used to not knowing everything, maybe we don't learn enough because we're like, well, you know, we just have to do it. You know, we just have to act.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, you you definitely have to take a leap of faith uh, on a lot of things,
0: right?